Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. Sleaze, golf is back, and Harris English is the champion of the Century Tournament of Champions. Yes, starting off with a little playoff there, a little shootout with Joaquin Neiman, man. And um, you and I talked about this a little bit, but I feel like we're finally starting to get the Harris English that we all expected with him coming out of you know the University of Georgia and amateur golf. He was the guy that, at least in my opinion, I had this guy pegged as like, the next thing, I remember when he signed with Ping, telling all the guys at Ping, I think this is a major champion that you guys just signed. I'm really high on this guy. And then after a few years of struggles, uh, last year he was absolutely, really, absolutely rock solid. And then finally getting the dub. I feel like this one was well-deserved and been a long time coming. Yeah, he's playing some great golf and very, very consistent, doing some great work with Justin Parsons. But like I said, no surprise by the victory. Um, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. Look for him to start popping up on a lot more major championship leaderboards. He finished fourth at Wingfoot. I'm already telling you right now, I'm going out on a limb. He's going to be your U.S. Open champion around Torrey Pines. I'm so Ooh. excited for what Harris English is, what, what his future looks like. He's only 31 years old. He's still got a lot of time left in his career, a lot of great golf ahead of him. Um, so couldn't be happier for Harris. This kid is a superstar in the making. Yeah, and I don't want to jump the gun or go recency bias or anything like that, but I think – He's on the U.S. Ryder Cup team at the end of the year this year as well. Yeah, I think he just moved into the top 20 in the world golf rankings after that win. But I think this continues. And I, I he may not even have to be a pick, Colt, if he does what you're expecting him to do. He might not even have to be a pick. He might just play his way on. But regardless, I think he's a pick one way or the other. And he's on that team. I, I agree totally. He's going to he's going to earn his way onto that team. He's currently 17th in the world. Um, and big things are coming for Harris English. Please. But he wasn't the only Big thing to happen in golf this week, Sleaze. Um, yes. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Let us go ahead and fluff yourself a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. A little pro scratch here in Scottsdale this past weekend. The twin fin, Johnny O twin fin, um, pro scratch out of Greyhawk Golf Club. Um, and tell us all about it. You're the champ. The only fluffing will be going to my partner. But Colt, just um, you know this tournament. You've won this tournament as well. Uh, to break down the format, Johnny O Twinfin, two-day pro scratch out at Greyhawk, the Raptor course where they used to play the Fries Open out there. One pro, one am. Uh, the first day is, is a scramble format, and the second day goes to a best ball. So typically the scores in the scramble or you know, the pro can kind of carry the load, and then the best ball is the day where the rubber meets the road and, and you got to have two guys showing up. So we shot – Minus 11 the first day, which is kind of typically right around the lead somewhere, just typically 12 or 13. This year it was 12 under. There were three teams at 12 under. Paul Casey was up there in the lead. I think we were tied with Adam Hadwin's team, Joel Damon and Mark Mulder. That was a really good team. They were up there as well. But it was kind of jammed up at 12, 11, and then some 10s, right? So going into the day, we th Dre and I thought, uh, my partner, Andres Gonzalez, we thought like we typically it's 2021 20, somewhere in that range wins the golf tournament. So we're like, all right, well, we need nine or 10 under today, which is a good round in best ball. Uh, we got to go. And we're playing Colt the final round. We play with our boy, Taylor Montgomery, the son of Monty Montgomery, the GM out of Shadow Creek, who you know very well and have played a lot of golf with. I had not played golf with them up into this up until this point. We start off the round, Colt, and this kid, he pars one, he pars two. And from that point on, it, I've never seen anything like it. He proceeds to birdie like eight of the next nine or ten holes on his own. He was eight under par through 11 on his own ball. And of the one of the three holes that he parred, his partner sprinkled in a birdie. So they were nine under through 11. Dre and I were five or six. We were six, so we're three back, we thought. 
I was like, oh my God, I don't care. We're not playing that bad, but this kid's burning every single freaking hole. So at that point, Colt, Dre and I made a conscious decision to start talking to Taylor Montgomery about how well he was playing, try to throw a little jinx on him. Dude, you're eight under on your own ball. You got a breachable par five. You'll definitely birdie that. You're going to birdie the drivable hole. You can shoot 59, dude. This is going to be the best thing of all. Have you ever shot 59? You know, all the bullshit that you do when someone's playing good. And uh, we both made a few pars there on the next few holes, but it all came down ultimately cold. I'll fast forward to the end. 18th hole, we walk up. Dre and I believe that we are two shots behind Taylor and his partner at the time. And it's a par five, 510 yards, and uh, with a little lake on the right. And we're like, well, we need Eagle to even have a chance. You know, we got to hope that we make Eagle and that they somehow mess up and make par. Winds down about 20 miles an hour. There's a bunker on the left side. Probably what? What would you say, Colt? 310 something in the air to cover that? I mean, I've never even thought about covering it. So Dre's like, I'm going to go over that bunker. I was like, yeah, hit it as hard as you can. We got to have a three. He hits it over the bunker, absolutely bombs it, lands on the downslope, scoots even further. I hit it down the fairway. We get up there. Dre is a mile up. I got a nine iron into this par five because it's so far downwind. I hit it to the back of the green, but Taylor Montgomery hit it in the top lip of that bunker. He hit a three wood because he was scared he was going to drive it in the water. He can't go for the green in two, and there's no way to hit your third shot close from where he was. So I was like, all right, well, now his partner's got to show up. He could hit this in the water. He could make boat, or he could make par. Anything could happen. His partner proceeds to hit it to right in the middle of the green to about 30 feet for eagle. Uh, so we drive up to Dre's ball. I'm like, <laughs> got to hoop it, dude. <laughs> Looks like you got to make this thing. He's like, all right, it's 140 gap wedge. I'm just going to aim a little bit left. Hope it bounces right. I was like, do it, dude. Be a legend. He gets up there, hits this thing, carries the bunker, lands in the rough. And instead of kicking forward and right, it kicks straight right. And it's trickling. It's going slow, too. It's going right at the hole. And I'm staring at it. I'm like, dude, this is going to be really good. All of a sudden, it's rolling, 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 bam, vanishes. And we can't really tell from behind. Maybe it just went right behind the flag or something. But everybody on the green and behind the green start throwing their hands up, going crazy. Me and Dre start going ape shit, running around the fairway, you know, chest bumping, all the stuff. We get up there, and I tell Dre, I'm like, dude, if this guy doesn't make this, we're going to get a playoff. You're going to make a double eagle to get into a playoff. My, uh, Taylor's partner hits this eagle putt, lips out on the high side. It looked good the entire time, rolls to about three inches behind the cup. He taps in for birdie. We give him high fives. Great playing, guys. You know, see you in a playoff. We're walking back to the cart. We're going to get a playoff. And we get in. People are coming up and congratulating us. And we find out that, that Taylor's team had started the day one behind us. So we actually beat them by a shot. And at that point, like, like something crazy would have had to happen on the way in for anyone to catch us. And uh, so ultimately, Andres Gonzalez makes a walk-off double eagle to win the golf tournament by one, which, Colt, you know a lot more golf history than I do. I, don't, I can't remember that happening on any level in any event, amateur, pro, anything, uh, a walk-off double eagle. Yeah, that's what an incredible Dude, it was nuts. Yeah, I was getting texts from you and Taylor Montgomery just saying, you wouldn't believe what just happened. Um, I can't believe it. Uh, it's, it's an incredible finish. What a way to win. Congratulations on such a, such a great victory. I'm very sad I wasn't there to try to dethrone you guys, me and my partner, Jim Strickland. Um, as you know, Sleaze, I've been battling the coronavirus for the past 10 days. Today is my first free day. I cannot wait to get out and get amongst it. It has been absolute hell being inside for 10 straight days, you know, not being around any people at all. I'm starting to talk to the walls a little bit. Um, it's getting a little weird around here, but um, very happy for you and Andres, and I uh, can't wait to get out there and um, try to slap you all around next year. 
Yep, you will absolutely have that opportunity. Good news is that Dre, he's out Monday qualifying for Hawaii right now. Whether he gets in or not, he's going to be back in Scottsdale uh, either next week or the week after. So we will get him in studio. We will do a show with him. One of the best dudes, Colt, like you know. I mean, there's not a person out there that doesn't love Andres Gonzalez. And uh, it was awesome that he hit that shot. It will literally go down as, a, as the coolest golf shot I've ever seen. I know it ain't a major or Masters or PJ, but I mean, a walk-off double eagle. This is his first double eagle he made in his life. I mean, the stars just aligned. The energy was all correct. That is crazy. I'm sure it was an amazing your, celebration Saturday night. Yeah, we 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 had a little session. We we fully got amongst it, as some of the uh, pictures show. But um, you had the COVID. What what the hell have you been doing? All, I mean, you've had ten days not really leaving your house. What's a fellow? Are you are you betting on like cricket games in India and European soccer, or how do you fill that time? Thank God this past weekend, there was, you know, six NFL playoff games. We had the Century Tournament of Champions going on. So I was glued to the TV all day Saturday and Sunday. But I'll tell you, during the during the week, it's been rough. I've been uh, binge watching some series, watched an incredible one on HBO called The Undoing, which I highly recommend. And then a new one that is now six episodes into the season um, called Your Honor, starring Brian Cranston, which I highly recommend. It's on Showtime. Um those two were both awesome. I was glued to the TV, couldn't stop watching. Um, so yeah, just a lot of TV, a lot of hanging out, a lot of stretching. Um, that's how I kind of just waste my day. Um, stretch about four or five times a day for about 20 minutes. So I'm feeling very flexible. Um, I, I lost all taste. So I've been eating the healthiest I've ever eaten in my life. Just there you go. Grilled chicken, salad, no dressing, really. I mean, you can't taste it, so you might as well just put nothing on it. Some egg whites in the morning, um, down about eight pounds in the i think in nine days which is damn yeah so a couple more weeks of this shit you're gonna need a new wardrobe bro i know thank god hopefully we can get someone out there to send us some clothes because i don't like buying clothes that's the good news about about uh losing your taste is if 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 an oreo tastes the same as a carrot yeah shit might as well eat a carrot you know yeah my mind tricks me i can always i can always taste the things that are good i think right well yeah you know you could use that 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 memory you know but i feel like quarantine is one of those things where for two days, I'd be like, this is the best thing of all. T- all I got to do is lay here and watch Netflix. Like, okay, Simon. And then after about two, I'd start going crazy. Yeah, it, it sucks. But that also explains the reason why we've been, we did our um, show this week with our special guest coming up next, Adam Long um, from, from Zoom, because I'm not allowed to go into the studio right now. And as well as our next guest, who we'll get to later on, we'll preview our next guest. But we're going to do a couple of interviews through the Zoom just to be safe. Don't want to get anybody sick out there. But our guest this week, Sleaze, Adam Long, you know, not the, not the most well-known guy out on the PGA Tour, but a guy that's a good friend of us, to, to us, um, been playing some great golf lately, um, really is starting to make a name for himself on the PGA Tour, and he's got one of the driest sense of humors on the planet, um, a guy that I just love to mess with, I love talking to, he was an absolute blast to sit down with. Yeah, he's a fun dude, man. Really fun, really sharp guy. And it's cool for me to see because, like, obviously, I spent most of my time on the Jickies, the Canadian Tour, you know, some uh, Web.com and Corn Ferry. This guy did the exact same thing. We played so many events together, so many rounds together, traveled together, did all that. And to see a guy like that actually be one of the guys that makes it and not just makes it like, hey, you got a tour card and then lost it, but makes it, gets on the BJ Tour wins and now turning into a guy that i mean last year was 31st on the fedex cup uh, almost made it to east lake it's cool for me to see those guys that kind of went through the grind and and you know kind of 
had to eat some shit a little bit before they got to eat caviar out there like he's doing right now. And he, and he's turned into a hell of a player and is having another great start to this year as well. Yep. Up to 62 in the world. And I can just see him continue to climb the, climb that uh, world ranking list. He is, he's a great player. Um, very few weaknesses and I'm excited to see what he can do, but here's Adam long on golf subpar. All right, our guest today is a very good friend of the show. He is a PGA Tour winner, finished 31st on the FedEx Cup in 2020. He is the Phil Mickelson Slayer, Adam Long. Welcome to the program. Wow, this is an honor. Can't believe this thing has made it to 2021. I owe a lot of people money, but happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, I guess everybody else was busy, but you know what? We're happy to have you. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's an honor to have Adam Long. You're always one of my favorite guys to, to hang out with out there on the PGA Tour. I mean, I know Whisperock has a lot of members, but I didn't realize uh, he went through them that quickly. So it, it flew oh, by. Bud, you, we're on like episode 51. I mean. <laughs> you'd be surprised, buddy. I was going to introduce you. I introduced you as the Phil Mickelson Slayer. I was going to introduce you as the man with the smallest head on the PGA Tour. But I thought the Phil thing sounded better. But you just yeah, had to throw it in there. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah what, I think. I, you know, I, I think it's, I take it as, as a point of pride, honestly. I mean, there's not too many things on tour that guys can say, like, I'm the only one or I am the best or I have the only, you know, and that's that's something that I just I cherish. Before we get going on all the good stuff, what is your hat size, right? If you wore a fitted hat, what size do you get? I don't know. I, I mean, six something. I don't even no. get fitted hats. I just get like a small something, but I don't. It doesn't don't even look that small. No, dude, small be, I mean, yours looks big, please. His yeah, mine's enormous, but his is like – so I, I, his looks like what I came out of the womb with. It's always Mask? a thing, like, sitting around a table, guys, my hat will be sitting there, and somebody will have a huge head, and we'll put it on each other's heads, and it's, ha-ha, Adam's got a tiny head. It's been, it's been a thing for a while, but I'm over it. I'm over it. All right, well, you let's get past well. your head. Let's you get on to well. a little bit of your golf and everything else. But I want to talk a little bit about when you grow up, because I, I read that you were a big hockey player before turning to golf, and an injury kind of ruined your hockey career, correct? It's a true statement, and I can't believe how much research you guys do. Yep. I can't, and really impressive. It is. Um, so, yeah, I, I played yeah. hockey, big hockey fan growing up in St. Louis, and big Blues fan, and uh, that was kind of my favorite sport to play. I was most excited about playing. I was decent at it. I was a defenseman, but um, we I played some travel teams. I was, you know, decent, and I don't know. It was like a winter league, uh, at some small little local series league thing that I was playing. And where it was a checking game. It was like one of the first few games of checking, I feel like. And I just got absolutely destroyed in the middle of the ice by this huge kid who just had it out for me. Anyway, I land, I go on my back, I'm flying into the boards feet first and one leg hit before the other. And I just screamed as loud as I could. I remember like, Oh, I just like, basically passed out I was I, it hurt so bad and I, I just remember at the hospital laying in the bed my dad my mom were there and I just it's a joke now in my family but I was just laying there like they're gonna have to cut it off they're gonna have to cut it off <laughs> I swore I was gonna have to have my leg amputated but it turned out to be just a broken leg six weeks I was back on the ice so All your right, first well, game ever checking you went out for your career that's pretty true yeah okay yeah Worked out for I the got best. the cast off. I got the cast off early to put a have like a brace so I could play the Pepsi Little People's tournament. So golf was a, still a priority at that point, clearly. Yeah, well, golf obviously worked out very, very well. But staying on hockey just for a second, I got to run this by you because, you know, you're good friends with the Sleaze and he's got this bet coming up. OK, yes. 
It's scheduled to take place February 1st here in Phoenix, as long as everything's not out of control. But the former hockey great, Ray Whitney, not sure if you know the name, the wizard, legend, has challenged Slee. Slee's never been on skates before. Okay, Adam? Nope. Keep up with me here. Never been on skates. So they have three bets. One, he has to skate all the way around without holding the boards, without falling, which he thinks is a layup. Layup, bud. Two, he's on the blue line, on skates, has to fly one of 50 pucks into the net on skates, okay? And the other one is Ray gets to dig in at the far end of the ice. Sleaze gets to go as fast as he can at Ray, and Ray says he will not move him an inch. Do you think he can win any of these? How many of those do I win? I thought you get two out of three. Two out of three? Wait, what's the the second one? I mean, I think think you can move Pink Whitney a, a bit. I think you no, can, no, that's Ray. I mean, that's Ryan Whitney. We're talking oh, about Ray Whitney. He's he's. Stout. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, Ryan's bigger than Ray, though. I, I think, I think I don't know. I still think you could move a hu- another human being on ice going full speed. I mean, but I mean, he's I, never skated. Big guy. <laughs> so I, so what's true. full speed? He's probably going to wipe out a few times on the way to him. But uh, and I think you could get one puck in. I, I mean, I think you can get one in. It's got to go but in I, the I, air the whole way. Never mind. If I get fifty, but I get you're going to be struggling, tries. bud. Fifty tries. Could yeah, you do it right 50. now? If you if you put the skates back on, could you hit one in the air from the blue line? I don't know. Mm, I, wouldn't, right, that's, I wouldn't trust myself, but that's not what I needed to hear. All right, I, perfect. I think you can get around the ice without falling too. I think you're just going to yeah, be that, like that's a, know, that's the done. Barely standing. Well, February first, it's all happened. I'll be watching. We'll keep you a we'll keep you abreast of the the happenings on those bets. I'm ready. I'll, I'm, I'll be first in line to watch that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, let's go back. I want to go back because you are you are one of the few very proud Duke Blue Devils on the PGA Tour. But when you came out of high school, you committed initially to the University of Florida. Why the switch to Duke? Uh, yeah, I kind of went on a sneaky little extra visit to Duke. I always kind of liked it. My parents were like, you know, you should probably check it out. Um, they really liked you. And look, you know, if you got a chance to go to school like that, you should probably go you know, give it a fair shake. And I kind of was thinking that it's probably a bunch of nerds. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I'm that smart. I don't think I can get through school. It's probably super hard. I'm not, I don't know. I didn't like it, but I went back and stayed with some guys on the team, got to know them a little bit, saw them, you know, at a football game and, and at night get slightly inebriated. Um, some of the upperclassmen were a bit um, out of control and I was like, all right, these guys are fun. It's not a, it's not a bunch of nerds. My, I had a stereotype in my head that uh, turned out not to be the case. And I kind of loosened up a bit. And, uh, and I was like, all right. They convinced me basically that the school wasn't that hard. And the golf program was on the up. We had brand new practice facilities, brand new building. And, uh, you know, going to a Duke basketball game gets you fired up. And uh, so I made that, that switch, which was tough. But it was, it was a great decision. Yeah, you went to a powerhouse golf school like Duke with the likes of what you have you, Kevin Streelman, Joe Ogilvy. Are there any others? I mean, Ryan Blom. Ryan oh, Blom, yeah. that's right. I mean, pretty solid. You exactly act like it was just so court. obvious. I mean, Ryan Blom. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Ryan. first guy I think of. But but Duke's <laughs> Nate obviously Smith was on tour. Oh, yeah, Nate Smith. What a legend that guy was. But Duke's obviously more known for basketball and lacrosse. And I was and I was looking looked up some of the the records um, at Duke. The fifty four hole scoring record is actually was held by you. I'm not sure if it still is at the Coca Cola Classic, 
eight under par. Jesus, can we get some quality players in at Duke? I don't know what that that's is that true? That can't be true. That's, I it said read your that sophomore too. year you broke the fifty-four hole school scoring record and shot eight under par two oh eight. Damn. <sighs> Tough Man, competition that's, that's, around there. <laughs> it's cold weather. It's cold. Mm. Courses are hard. They tuck the pins. They tuck the pins. Yeah. Academics, dude, they gotta be studying. They don't got time to hit balls all day. Eight under would be all time scoring record at TCU, so I got no problem with that. <laughs> we were always like solid with top. I don't know, 25, 30 team. We went to the nationals three out of the four years. Like we were solid, but we weren't definitely not a Oklahoma state by any means. Well, we had, uh, we had Streelman on as a guest, not too, not too long ago. And he talked about how he used to get into the basketball games by bribing the, the ticket guy or the admissions guy, whoever it was, they'd give him golf balls and a golf bag and just take care of all of his golf and things like that. Did you have to do anything like that when you're on campus or were you the camping out in a tent in Shusheskyville guy? Uh, neither. I went to a lot of games, but I like, honestly, every year it just keeps getting more and more strict. I can't imagine how hard it is now to like sneak in. You always hear these stories about past players or, or guys, students that were find ways in, to get into Cameron and it's it just got harder and harder and harder. But, um, no, I, I couldn't really camp out either. Cause I was like a month long, two month long commitment that I couldn't do with school and workouts and traveling and everything. So, uh, I, the longest I ever stood in line, my freshman year, I did it. Like, I think we hosted Indiana. I feel like I was in line for like 10 hours or something off and on oh uh, in the line to get in the game. But tenting, like that's a whole nother crazy. They have all, it's a whole set of rules. And it's, I don't know. I, I was never into the, doing that. That's just ridiculous. To, so how'd to you tent. get in? Uh, well, like a normal game, you could get in. Like if you're playing a, a TCU or an SMU or something that like <laughs> some school that is kind of a write off, well you could just kind of cruise in, uh, and you know, a few minutes before tip off and have a decent spot in the student section. But if uh, you know a tight ACC game or UNC or something like, you weren't going to get into that game. Or if you did, not a UNC game, that was impossible. But um, even a good like uh, Georgia Tech or a Miami or somebody like that, you could you could get in even after tip off and still get in. So um, we weren't very good. My first like two or three years there, uh, my first year, I feel like we were a six seed in the tournament, which is embarrassing. And, but by my senior year, they were pretty solid and they ended up winning the national championship. So that was pretty sick. Go back to the UNC, UNC thing real quick. Like you said, it's impossible to get a ticket. Like how long would guys or girls camp out for a ticket for the UNC game? Well, if they're, Last, if they, so they do a home and home. So if they're hosting last, which is usually like the first week in March or very end of February, uh, they're lining up even before school starts in January. So the mid January, early what? January, and it's it gets cold. That, in Durham. I mean, possible? it's it, it they blow like an air horn and stuff, and they do random tent checks throughout the night. And it's I mean, if you're not there like you're supposed to be, then you're you're out. And so you can obviously it's basically leave during a single class. file line. You're just in line. For yeah. that long and as soon as the game starts you just go in and your line and you can up to have up to like 12 people in your tents and um it's pretty you know strict rules that you don't mess around with so what is it's it, a like one person one person has to be in the tent at all times during the day and like half of your half of your group has to be there at night yeah and oh then my god that's game day morning they hand out tickets or what there's no tickets they just kind of swipe your student id and you're in but um yeah basically it's a it's a single file line but you're you're also in front of the line for all the games prior 
So if you're just like me, like hanging out, trying to get in after you're get, you get in, always get in after all of the tenting people. Gotcha. Um, they, they've separated now to like blue tenting starts earlier than white tenting or vice versa. It's, it's a, they have line monitors they're called and it's, you know, just the, the police officers of, of Kville. And it's, but it's sweet. It makes it all that much more special when you get in. Cause you're like, I waited and froze my ass off for months for this. And it, that's why it gets so crazy. God. Imagine if you get blown out after waiting months. Yeah, that happens. That happened when I was in school for sure. But we also uh, blew them out my senior year. So um, I don't know. It's part of it. It's just, and, and they have parties there on the weekends. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's a wet campus. So it gets pretty fun. Coach K buys pizza for everybody. They, a lot of the players will stop by and set up a basketball hoop and shoot around and the music's going and it's, it's a pretty good time. You sure that's not an NCAA violation? That feels like a violation. Dude. I mean, I'm not an NCAA guy, but that feels coach? like cheating. Oh, he doesn't buy the pizza. Um, the, the, mm. the somebody else, the, uh, Oh, yeah. Well, you Duke just got put out. on probation. No, Thanks to Adam. I, Long. If, when the I basketball need to have a program, here. I knew it. I knew <laughs> yeah. it. I knew I should have had a lawyer here. <laughs> when they when they suspend Duke basketball operations, everyone's going to look at Adam Long and thank him for that. Yep. <laughs> who were the who are, last basketball question though? Because I'm I'm into who were the guys when you were there? Who were the biggest names on campus? And what was their like level of celebrity like on campus? They are definitely celebrities. I mean, it's a small campus. There's only six thousand four hundred undergrads or whatever, and so it's. You see everybody around, you know everybody, and, and they just really stand out because they're ginormous. But um, I had some classes with a few of them. And, you know, we were, while I was in school, it was pretty blue collar. Uh, right after I finished, like Kyrie Irving came in and that kind of started this whole one and done thing that now that they've been, uh, that they've been doing. But, um, you know, I had, we had Kyle Singler, John Shire, Nolan Smith, Gerald Henderson, um, you know, not, not a whole lot of like, crazy superstars but some guys that made it to the league for sure but um lance thomas i don't know just some some blue collar guys that's how they won the championship was uh you know not the way they're doing it now Did have you, you ever spent oh, sorry go, go ahead Cole. have you ever spent any time with coach k yeah i met him probably like three times not a golfer so that kind of sucked i didn't have a whole lot of talk about after that um there was a guy on the team gerald henderson who played in the league for a while uh who i was friends with at school a bit and we would talk about him a few times and he always talked about how, you know, he tries to get Gerald not to play so much golf and he could be on the golf team too. And, you know, then Gerald would be like, I could never be on the golf team here. I, I, I like <laughs> golf, but I'm not that good. And, uh, but he just didn't have a clue. He didn't really care versus Roy Williams down the street at, at UNC, huge golfer playing every day. Uh, that would have been pretty cool to have, but not the case at Duke. Did you take the same class as Kyrie Irving there at Duke where they taught that the earth is flat? Next question. <laughs> what a what school. A professional. <laughs> you paid attention to media class. Oh, good man. Well, let, let's talk let's a little get bit about a little golf. golf. Yeah. Yeah. Golf. You obviously, you finished up at Duke. You're a two-time academic All-American. A lot of brains in that small head. But you turned pro in 2010. And things didn't get off to probably quite the start you're looking for. Bounced around the Jicky Jacks, as Sleaze calls a little bit. Tell us a little bit about the Jicky Jack life. Yeah, the Jicky Jack life. It's the life. I loved it um i i really enjoyed it honestly you want to go back it's tough i do not want to go back <laughs> i just enjoyed the time um yeah I, I failed miserably at first stage of q school right out of school um didn't play that great the next year on the on the mini tours i guess uh qualified for the u.s open the next summer after i graduated and that was kind of my first like 
big success, um, just getting there. Um, and then that fall, got through Q school and made it on the web.com or nationwide at the time, both. And I uh, lost my card pretty quickly, easily that year back on the Jicky Jacks for two years. So, um, you know, it was pretty up and down at the beginning, but I, I, I did well in them. Like I had a pretty decent, um, I don't know, career, I guess you'd call it, but a, a pretty decent start. Like I made a lot of cuts, had some, I didn't have a whole lot of wins, but I was, you know, doing okay. It wasn't uh, terrible, but playing a lot of e-golf tour, Hooters tour. Um, you know, I've been, I played the Canada, Latin America. I mean, some tough times, but it was also awesome. Like I made a lot of good friends. I have awesome memories that, uh, you know, I look back on it. It's pretty hilarious to look back. When you were bouncing around and like you, you had a taste out there, you got on the corn Ferry tour, fell off. Then you had to play some more jickies, go to Canada and things like that. Were you always a hundred percent all in on playing golf or did you ever have any thoughts in your mind? Like, Hey, maybe, maybe I want to try looking at something else. Yeah. I was never like, thinking about the PGA tour when I was on the mini tours, I was always kind of thinking about the next step, like getting to the corn Ferry tour. And then when I was on the corn Ferry tour, I was just trying to get off that, but I wasn't uh, two steps below or three steps below or anything thinking too far ahead. I was just trying to get better status or trying to improve. Like I was always short-term. I still am that way. I don't really look too far in the future, but um, not really. There was one like really, really low time. I, I think I missed five straight cuts on the e-golf tour in 2011. And I was a wreck. I mean, I, I remember sending like swing videos to my coach in St. Louis, like what's going on in the swing, like looked fine. He'd tell me things I couldn't feel it. I it was just awful. I was missing cuts by a mile. I mean, I, that's when I was like going home at night, like, what am I doing? I'm trying to like get to the PJ tour. and I can't even sniff a cut on the e-golf tour. Like this is, this sucks um that was really my lowest point and I, I missed the cut one week on, on Friday Saturday I flew to Columbus Ohio got ready for sectionals for the U.S. Open qualifying and played like two of the best rounds of my life that Monday and got into the U.S. Open and then after that I had a nice fall and it's like it's just crazy that's basically that's golf for you basically because uh, I was at my lowest point and then boom my highest point at that point was making the U.S. Open yeah, you're you're playing terrible. Then you play great, and you get to go play the U.S. Open and get absolutely slapped around. <laughs> what a what a reward! Yeah, yeah. Show up there, and I'm like, whoa, these guys are good. <laughs> yeah, but you obviously then you kind of had your breakout year in 2018. You finished 13th on the what's now the Corn Ferry Tour money list to get your PGA Tour card. Um, were you were you surprised at all? It it took that long. I mean, eight years is a long time to keep going without any real real success. Yeah looking back eight years is like a ton. Like it's like, wow. Like, but I did play five years on the corn Ferry tour and each of those besides the first one in 2012 kind of sucked. But after that, the other four were all pretty solid. So like I was keeping my card on those tour on, on the corn Ferry tour and I was getting to the finals and kind of coming close to, to getting a tour card. So that, that felt like I was almost like I made it. Like I felt like I was, I had status the next year, every time, you know, I didn't go to Q school since uh i guess it was 2014 was the last time i was at q school so i'm you know i was feeling pretty good about it um not that i like arrived by any means but at that point you're just wanting status like you just want to have a tour to play on the following year like if you're doing that you're doing okay and i felt like i kept getting better and better every year um that it, like the dream of the pj tour wasn't that far away and finally in 2018 i got it done 
Yeah, let's go back to that time that Colt just mentioned, the year that your last year on the Corn Ferry Tour where you finished 13th on the money list. Obviously, you played really well that year. Then you go on to the PJ Tour. You win in your rookie year right off the bat. Then you go and have another great year on the PJ Tour. It seems like since that last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, you've really played really well and you've gotten better every single year. What's the difference in your game over these last couple of years than it was versus the, the previous six or seven? Yeah, kind of two things. Definitely uh, some physical stuff with my golf game that um, with Josh Gregory that I started with, I don't know, probably four years ago now. Um, we really, you know, he was the first guy that I really went to and it was like, okay, help me with my chipping, putting, short game kind of scoring because I feel like I'm playing okay and just not getting anything out of it. And he really opened my eyes a lot about technique for one and also just spending the time and how to practice it and how to stay on it and how to get better, how different grasses. I mean, that's what we deal with a lot of, you know, in professional golf is like every week you got different grass. And so different bunkers and lies and, and really having a clear plan of how to handle these issues. And um, he was the first guy that I really went to that that was his thing. That was his focus. And it made, you know, the rest of my game so much less stressful. Like I didn't have to hit it as well because my short game got a lot better or at least I had, I've been practicing a lot in the right ways. And I felt like it was a lot better. So I had the confidence that even if I was swinging it kind of crappy, I could still get up and down. It wasn't a big deal. Um, so that was for sure one big thing. And then uh, a little before that, even I, I spent some time with uh, Dr. Bob Rotella and kind of really talked about my mental side of it and what I, you know, and again, same kind of thing, gave me a lot of clarity and a lot of focus and a lot of purpose as to how I carry myself, how I think about golf, how I handle all of the ups and downs on and off the golf course. Um, so I think those two, you know, a true focus on my mental side and a true focus on my uh, short game and putting and wedges and stuff that those two things really kind of came together and started clicking in 2018. Yeah, you definitely have found your way because, I mean, you go back to your start of your rookie season, you start off T63, then you miss three cuts in a row. And I think a lot of people might be like, oh, God, what have I got myself into here? But then you find yourself in the final group in Palm Springs at the American Express with Phil Mickelson, where I think no one would have been surprised at all if you would have faltered, you know, coming down the stretch at all. But you step up and hit one of the greatest shots of your life, make birdie on the 72nd hole and win the golf tournament. Take us through that last hole, because I thought that was one of the coolest moments I've ever seen on the PGA Tour. Yeah, that was wild. I mean, I just started that day like I need a top 10 to get into Tory. I was, uh, you know, have a blast. Like I just want to make sure I had a good time. I wanted to like enjoy the moment, be in the moment, uh, embrace it and you know, not try too hard and not anything. Just have fun with it, because who knows, I'd probably never be on a, the last group of a tournament on the PJ tour. You never know. Like, let's just have fun with it. And like you said, all of a sudden on 18 T I'm like, Holy crap, we're tied. Um, but yeah, water on the left side, I was not going left. So I hit it right, which as one does and hit it over there. It's on the side of a mound. Unfortunately, I would get over there. Like, of course, like, why can't I just have a normal flat live and pretty lucky all week? Like, come on. But I was first to hit into the green and kind of quick plated in, in a sense at least I felt like I was playing it pretty quickly because I didn't want to like overthink it I'd been playing pretty steady all week I, I, I was kind of stepping up and just hitting it I didn't want to overthink this shot and think about it, all that it meant um, so I just hit that seven iron and was trying to go middle of the green pulled it a little bit right at the flag and perfect I was like wow this I'm gonna have a chance here um, but I still thought it was gonna be a chance at a playoff because you got Phil Mickelson middle of the fairway probably has like eight iron 
And then he hit it like 40 feet short of the hole. I'm like, hmm. And then I'm like, well, Hadwin's probably has nine iron. He's even closer up. He's going to stuff it. And he hits it over the green. So I'm like, holy crap, I'm, I'm going to have a chance to win this thing. <laughs> and uh, and that's what happened. I mean, I, they missed their, their third shots. And I had 13-footer for birdie and kind of got over it and felt pretty good about it and was like, don't – I was basically not trying to think about all that it meant or all that it could mean. I was like, this is like a putt on Thursday. Um, you've been rolling it well all week. And I just kind of got over it and felt good and went right in. And then Except I don't know what like, happened after that, yeah. so don't ask. <laughs> Except it was for like 1.3 million and changes your life. No big deal. Yeah, it's just, just a Thursday putt. Yeah. Just a, just a nothing in it putt. But Adam, I read or I, I heard you say after the tournament, like you like anyone in our generation looked up to Phil as a young kid, right? That's a guy you look up to and kind of idolize and you know, you want to be like when you were when you were paired with him in that final round, had you had any interaction with Phil Mickelson leading up to that, or was that the first time you guys met? First time we met. I mean, oh, I saw nice. him. I think the only other, other tournament that he played in that I was in was at uh, was at Napa earlier in the season. But uh, no, no interaction. Met him on the first tee and have at it. Yeah, and I was. It's it's amazing, like how well you handled the situation. But then you look at throughout your career when you get big pairings. I was talking to Josh Gregory about this last night. When you get big pairings, you seem to play really, really well. I mean, obviously this year. Y'all weren't playing great, but you had the biggest pairing you can possibly have on the PGA Tour, arguably, at the Zozo with Tiger and Phil. And here's Adam Long, and you went out and slapped them both around. I mean, yeah, what is it when you get in these moments? I don't know. Maybe it just it gets me, uh, it gets me more excited. I, I, I definitely don't have, like, a chip on my shoulder. I definitely don't have a, um, oh, I want to I beat this guy so bad. Like, he's, you know, one of the best players. I don't, I don't know. I you know, play, just play with Justin Thomas at Mayakoba. Um, same thing. I don't know. I just, I feel like they bring out the best in me in a way. I kind of, I want to like rise to their level. I want to rise to the occasion in a sense, probably. Um, I always do better kind of the more pressure, the, the bigger the events. Uh, I tend to do a lot better. I am your worst like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday practice game guy or guy at home. Like I just donate. I just send it out. God. I should just Venmo you before the round. Move out here. Played to, with me on Tuesday. Move out here, bud. We, we got I room. I am the world's worst uh, on a Tuesday. But uh, usually by Sunday, I have a pretty good week. So I don't know. I just – something about those tournaments or those rounds or those pairings that, that kept me fired up. But I don't know. It's something to – I don't know. Ask Josh. Maybe he knows. So let's stay on that pairing you had at Sherwood with Tiger and Phil, which is probably 99% of the world of golf's dream pairing out there. When you get there and you're paired with Phil – Again, did you have to reintroduce yourself? Like, hey, Phil, I'm Adam. I'm the guy that dusted you at uh, Palm Springs. It's been a while, buddy. <laughs> I did. I, I tried to talk to him kind of throughout the last year and a half since then, a little bit here and there in the locker room or something. But um, he did say, like, oh, I think last time we played together, you were making putts and chipping in to win tournaments. Uh, that was a fun day. That was. I wish I would have finished on on the other end of that thing. But that was a that was a fun day. Oh, but shucks. I did. I did ask Phil. I did ask Phil and uh, Rick Wild Scribs on the first tee, the starter. We're standing there. We're there. I don't know. Three minutes before our tea time and getting our uh, scorecards and and pin sheets and things. And I'm like, you guys have any idea who our third is here? And Phil's like, oh, don't <laughs> worry. He likes to make a grand entrance. He'll be here. He'll be here. Oh, uh, <laughs> one of those last groups off tenth. The tenth tee. It was hilarious though. Yeah, exactly. We were off ten. We're in like close to last. And we look over. I'm like talking to Jules, my caddy, your old caddy. I'm looking at uh, Jules, and I'm like, "There's look at look at number one over here. There's nobody around one. These guys are like winning the tournament." 
and there was not one person on one and we've got the entire club staff media everybody's on 10 uh we had like pj tour live on us for t65 um it was it was, it was a sweet day i was it was pretty awesome for me well take yeah take, take us, us inside I mean, that yeah take us yeah, inside that round I mean, a little it's bit everyone's I mean, all of ours dream yeah. to play with tiger woods i mean there's no doubt about that i know tiger wasn't playing his best that week but what was it like do you have did you chat much with him i mean you had to be kind of in awe even though you were playing well yeah quite a bit i mean i i kind of wanted to just kind of watch them interact more than anything i was a front row seat to those two um and their little banters and conversations but um yeah, none of us were playing that great. So I think that helped my cause. Had we been, you know, final group of a major, maybe, uh, you know, they would have been a little more intense and, uh, you know, felt like they were trying to kill me. But um, it was pretty relaxed for the most part. Um, I don't know. They they were pretty quiet to start, but they it got a lot more loose towards the back nine. Um, you know, we're all kind of ready to be done and um, – it, it was pretty awesome though. Yeah. I mean, I would, I felt like Tiger didn't really initiate a whole lot of conversation, but anytime I asked him stuff or questions, he, he would just start a whole five, 10 minute conversation the rest of the whole. Um, so that was pretty cool. And Phil, he's pretty outgoing. You guys know him, but he, he'll talk to anybody and he'll tell you all kinds of stories and stuff. So that that's easy. He's an open book, but uh, Tiger's a little tougher to tougher to needle. What did you ask? What was your first question to Tiger Woods that day? I'd love to know. My first question was any question. On, on 11, our second hole. My first question was, we're both like 10 feet away. I'm like, I mean, I don't know who's going next. I don't know. Am I supposed to ask him? I mean, it's Tiger. So I'm like, I just kind of was like, uh, who's next? Are me or you? And he's like, you call it. I was like, oh, it's, it's probably me. I'll go. It's I'll me, go. dude. I'll you can stand right you behind me and watch it if you yeah. want. I'll yeah, hit it twice. Here. I'll rake it back and hit it me. twice. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> me. That was the first question. <laughs> Um, I don't know. After that, I, it, he had just filmed a, a, a golf pass TV thing at uh, at the Dive Preserve where I, I'm a member here in Jupiter. And I was asking him about his day out there and his experience at, at, out there. That was probably the, the second real question. But um, yeah, there were some funny, funny little things here and there. And um, they obviously get along. They're not like super close best friends or anything. But uh, they, were, they were talking about the upcoming Masters in the fall and um kind of the schedule changes and things like that but um it was pretty it was a pretty fun fun day for me yeah i would and, say i guess not bad tiger tiger stiffed you on a on a ride home back to florida on his jet huh? oh yeah uh, that's true yeah i mean we're in la both trying to go to florida jupiter and i'm like man i i could really use this i had my wife and baby but you know i would have bailed on them to hit a ride with this guy no <laughs> but I, I, I asked joe's caddy i asked joe's caddy i was like uh man, how you, how's, how's Tiger getting home tonight? And he's like, oh, he's, he's, he's flying out. As soon as we sign that card, man, he's going straight to the plane. I was like, yeah, man, I, I'm going the same way. So you're saying he's not on our JetBlue flight tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. out of LAX? No, I don't think so. I'll be watching the Dodgers game and kick back and relax. But I didn't, I didn't have the guts to ask Tiger that, but I, I knew the answer. So That's a tough ask in your first time with Tiger. Hey, bud, you mind if I just saddle up? Back across tough, country, tough ask. Yeah. Well, I I've mean, also heard but shoot or shoot, <laughs> shoot or I've shoot. I've also heard if he does give you a ride, you get a bill afterwards too. So you're probably glad because that that's a, that's an expensive flight from LA oh, to Jupiter. Certainly more than I made that week. So uh, yeah, it's probably a good thing I kept my mouth shut. Yeah, he he's not on the baby bird at all. I want to go back to last year though too, Adam, because you were in a situation I, I mentioned earlier when I introduced you. You finished 31st in the FedEx Cup standings, but this past year there was a monumental up and down made by Mackenzie Hughes. 
in Chicago in the FedEx Cup playoffs on the 72nd hole that a lot of people probably don't realize how impactful that up and down was. Can you explain uh, what that up and down meant for you? I was almost over that. I was almost <laughs> over it. And then here we go. I'm sorry, dude. Um, yeah, so came down to the BMW and long story short, it came down to McKenzie Hughes on 18. If he makes par, he's in the tour championship. If he makes bogey or worse, Adam Long, you're in the tour championship. And I had just gotten like takeout food for my wife and I and, and baby. And we, uh, I was like in the parking lot watching it. I think I was listening on the radio. I don't know. I was watching it on my phone. Maybe I was like, this is it. This is, let's see what happens. I think I was watching my phone and uh you know he's over i'm like this is a dicey dicey putt like, he had like five six five and a half feet for mm-hmm. for par that he left him with a nasty putt and uh just cashed it it was a sick putt it was a perfect putt and uh that was it turned it off and i was like well all right we're going home we're not going to atlanta um yeah it was, it was oh. i'm really good friends with mac like he's awesome dude knows caddy well too and like i was it, I, honestly i was super super stoked for them like that is a huge huge accomplishment and I just was more like disappointed in myself. It was more like I could have done so much more. And like you thought over the course of a season, a point here and a point there, that was the difference. And uh, so that was kind of, it was like gut wrenching to myself that I didn't really, I didn't finish it off because I was in a great position the last like four weeks to, uh, to do it. And I just kind of hung around and made, you know, whatever, all four cuts from the PGA to uh, what was the next Sedgefield to, um, Boston and then Chicago I like I I was around but I was always finishing anywhere from 30th to 50 something so um just didn't get it done and it was kind of just just sucked for me but I was I was stoked for Mac honestly how do you think go ahead Colt sorry but just think if he would have missed that putt you would be in Hawaii right now you wouldn't be doing golf subpar I mean you're winning right now. Let's be honest. Valid. We haven't had him on in all in pretty, all fairness. That's true. It's a pretty even trade off there. You're, that's true. I bet Max miserable out there too. Oh, he keeps reaching out to us like, "Have me on, have me on." Like, relax, dude. We got Adam Long. We'll put you in the queue somewhere down the mix. So no, yeah, now you are winning in on January. Now he's yeah. terrible in January. You don't, Who wants to be there? Oh, you don't. The want course that. is so hilly. Oh. That walk, Brutal. dude, you get chat oh. past all that stuff. You don't want oh, any part of that. For, oh, have you, real question though, have you, you're, you're close with Mac, obviously, you guys are buddies. Have you ever brought up after the fact, like, hey, asshole, uh, that up and down cost me the tour championship and every major, our friendship is a little rocky right now? <laughs> I mean, I texted him that night and he, he did text back, but um, not really after that. I don't think we've had much about that. We just talk about everything else, but um, it's, understood um you know he got it done and i didn't though it wasn't like uh he did anything crazy he didn't you know hole out from the fairway or something that would be a lot different but he made a pretty nasty par in the last hole we uh we had him on our sirius xm show the next day and he said he couldn't have been happier that you finished 31st so I'm not sure that what that does to y'all's friendship but you weren't supposed, not know dude, that. you weren't supposed to tell him that bro well i, I did I not know to. that <laughs> i had I'm to coming for you mac but obviously you bounce back i mean if you just, I mean, a month or so later, you finished 13th at the U.S. Open, your best finish in a major around Wingfoot. Incredible playing, by the way. But obviously, all the talk that week was Bryson DeChambeau and what he's doing to the game. You're not one of the longer guys out there. There's no secret about that. You get it done in a much different way. With all the focus on distance now, everybody going to 47-inch drivers, trying to hit as far as they can. Does this does this frustrate you at all, the way the game's going? Not really. I mean, it's kind of – it was going to happen at some point, probably um, people are going to figure it, figure it out. But 
Um, no, more power to Bryson. I mean, he's it's unbelievable what he's done. He's probably the most dedicated athlete of in any sport. Um, pretty pretty awesome to watch. But um, for me, I'm in a way different position than than he is. Um, I don't know as far as like gaining a bunch of weight and, and trying to pick up a crazy amount of swing speed and makes these huge jumps. Like I'm not in a position to do that. Like <laughs> I can't afford to have a, a crappy year or two on tour. Or I'll lose my card. I'm out of here. And they'll still chew me up and spit me out. I mean, it's, it's cutthroat out there. So um, I'm in a more position where I feel like I just need to keep doing my thing and almost have blinders on to that because yes, I'd love to hit it 30 yards further, of course, but, that would take me some time. It would take some effort, take some commitment and doing it the right way. Um, I'm just not in a position to, to or willing to do that right now. Um, maybe that'll change in a few years, but um, where I'm at right now, like I feel like I've, I've, my results have been really good. My game's solid. Uh, I'm in a good position. I'm trending in the right direction. Why would you start, you know, searching for something that may or may not breed success? I mean, there's no guarantee that if I hit it further, all my other shots will be just as good or better either. So, um, you know, I've, I always kind of wonder too, like if your driver's swing speed gets that fast, does it affect your the rest of your iron play and your wedges and your touch around the greens? Like, I don't know, it, it could have an effect in that too. So um, I'm, I'm kind of hanging tight and sitting back and watching everybody else do it. But uh, it is a thing for sure. I mean, there's guys at the club every day trying to swing as fast as they can and they're obsessed with who hits it farther um, and I'm just kind of doing my own thing and, uh, you know, trying to rack up, uh, FedEx cut points, not money, That's, but point. Hmm, points. Very well said. Company what you said man. about distance was very well said. Also the FedEx cup, very well said, but <laughs> it was interesting to see in the first round of the tournament of champions, Bryson was paired with Brendan Todd, who's one of the shortest guys on tour. And on average on the par fours and par fives, Brendan Todd had 48 yards further in for his approach shots than Bryson did. And he ended up beating Bryson. So it does show you that obviously you can beat him on any given day. It's just, but at the same time, 48 yards closer on every approach shot. That's a freaking big advantage. That's a lot. I mean, one day, yeah, Brennan beat him. And over this week or next week, or Brennan might beat him the decent amount. But over the long haul of a season or a career, you get got to give the edge to Bryson. But that doesn't mean Brendan Todd can't win tournaments. He can't, you know, have an amazing, crazy long career either. Um, that just means Bryson's might just be a little bit better, but here's, uh, I don't know. There, there's room for, there's room for a lot of us out here still. Okay. Here's a question I've never asked anybody. Cause obviously hmm. yeah, yes, I actually never have asked this to anybody. Obviously the, the short hitter can survive on the PGA tour. Do you think we'll ever see a short hitter say bottom 30 distance guy on tour be top 10 in the world ever again? I would lean toward no. See, that's what I think the short hitter can survive, keep his card, have a nice career and all this. I just don't know if they can ever be that elite player anymore, like a Justin Leonard, like a Corey Pavin and stuff like that. Right. Tom. Yeah, I, Zach I, I'd, I'd probably agree with you on that. I, I don't know. Uh, it would be pretty awesome to see because it would be so different than everybody around him. But um, I would lean toward no. It, it's definitely not trending towards the way of the short hitter right now. I can say that, but you brought up an interesting comment earlier about how like, I can't afford to have a bad year out here because it'll chew you up and spit you out. Right. But you are a PGA tour winner. You've been out there a number of years now. Where do you view yourself? Cause a lot of the young guys that come out, the hardest part is feeling like you belong on the PGA tour. You've been out there long enough now and have had enough success. Where do you view yourself in terms of like the PGA tour uh, as a whole? Do you have a different mindset than you did a couple years ago? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, as a rookie, I was just kind of like, what, where am I? Like, 
am I good enough? Am I, is anything in my game good enough to be here? Like, what do I do so well that I deserve to be here? You're just like, what do I need to get better at? Like, these guys are amazing. You're just kind of watching everybody. Like, you can't help but have a little bit of that. Um, and then now I'm just kind of like, eh, I'm 33. I, you know, my goal is not to be number one in the world right now. Like, it is just not a thing for me. I, you know, I think Colin Morikawa, yes, certainly his goal should be number one in the world. Anybody that's on tour and, you know, in their young, early 20s, yes, why wouldn't it be? But for me, I'm 33. I'm, this is my third year now on tour. Um, you know, I'm whatever, 60 something in the world and I'm, you know, trending in the right direction, but I'm trying to get to like 50. I'm trying to just kind of move up kind of gradually and do my thing. I, I you know, I, I intend to win again. I, that's my goal. I want to, I want to keep contending to win. I want to win again. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm a comfortable, I don't know, next tier kind of player. I don't, I, you know, maybe once I get that kind of settled down for a while, then I can move up to the next kind of tier, but you know, these guys that are continuing to win every single week, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, those guys are John Rahm. I mean, these guys are so underrated. It's unbelievable. Um, they're so good. It's ridiculous. But, um, you know, I'm a ways, I realize that I'm a ways from getting there and I'm just trying to kind of take baby steps to get there instead of maybe giant leaps. I'm not trying to gain 50 yards to, to reach that point. What is the one part of your game you would say you need to improve to get to top 50 in the world? Um, that's a good question. Cause I've always pretty much prided myself on being good at like everything, not necessarily awesome at anything, but no weaknesses in my game. Um, I don't know. I mean, if I had to, had to pick, it, it kind of changes, I guess this season, my, uh, my iron games kind of sucked, but, um, you know, if I hit it a little bit better, I'd probably feel a lot better. But, um, if I had to pick one, I'd take putting. Um, I think, um, if I could put like Colt, uh, I'd be, I'd be doing a lot. I'd be a lot happier. Yeah. You'd yeah. be sitting here interviewing me. Congratulations. <laughs> I would take Colt on the 10 footer to win, by the way, if, if you're still doing that. Well, question. you are, you already had one of those anymore. and you made it. True. True. So. No, I, I, I can putt fine. It's just, if I had to pick one asset from the game to get a lot better in, I'd take putting. What's the one shot you feel like you, if you, all the chips are on the table, all the marbles, one shot you got that you want to go to more than anything what do you hit what what's a shot you hit better than you think most people in the world yeah i hit like a nice pretty three-quarter flight of draw with my irons i don't know nine eight seven iron like i you know 155 seven iron into the wind like a nice flight a little little draw in there it's feel pretty confident about that Mm. I remember it well. Or a little hanging lie seven iron, perhaps, with a slight pull, which I knew you pulled. I was going to ask you if you pulled that, but you already answered the question. You said you slight pulled it, but unbelievable. I thought you might say that one. Slight pull. Is there one thing in your three years that you stuck out when you're playing with somebody that you were just like, oh, my God, that was impressive? Um, uh, yeah, you know what? Most recently that sticks out is Sergio Garcia's driver, like T-ball game is – unworldly it's so good it just it, it's i loved watching i played with him for two rounds at sanderson farms in jackson when he ended up winning uh the first two days but i was just like in awe of his driver like it was so awesome he's so got it it's flighted it's bombed it's hit hard he's got the draw the fade like that probably was one of the most impressive uh impressive things um i'm trying to think of another one but maybe brendan todd's like mid-range putting honestly like <laughs> 
it's pretty nasty. If it doesn't go in, it's like, how did that not go in every time? When you're playing with guys like this who impress you, are you are you one of the guys that that has no problem going to these guys and asking for advice or asking for little tips and things like that and trying to gain information, or do you kind of keep your distance and just watch and try to pick up on it that way? No, I I think that's another thing that I've done really well at and that's helped me is like I like my own game and I'm playing golf my own way and I think that's really what you have to do on the PGA Tour because it's, there's so many good players. There's so many guys that are good at this or good at that or have this shot or that, whatever, um, that you can get a little bit lost and you end up trying to be like them and trying to be like somebody else. And I've really taken a lot of ownership in my own game and the way I get it done playing my own golf game instead of trying to, to, to be like them because I'm just not going to. And um, just trusting that I can get it done in my own way and my own my own game is good enough. So no, I don't really I, I like watching that stuff and it's pretty cool, but I like. I'm not going to go try to be like that. That makes sense. Yeah, you, you be you. You be you. Love yeah, you, some that's you. Exactly it. That's it. All right, Slee, should we get to the emergency nine? I know let's he's go, dying. Let's go E9 on his ass right now. Neil All Patrick right. Harris. Oh, <laughs> he listens. Yep. Respect. He does. He's a fan. And that's actually really honest. good. Shit, I didn't. That is very that. good. That's, that's the right. Number I think one. That's right. Well, obviously, he's a huge fan of golf subpar, so he knows the question already. But number one. Who plays Adam Long in a movie? Neil Patrick Harris. So, please, I didn't I got, have an answer. That was that. Now looking at him, though, it's brilliant. I gotta say, my answer sucks now because I think that's the right answer, and the man obviously knows what he's doing. I had him as McLovin, the uh, organ donor from Hawaii. Uh, I think uh, from Superbad. I think that's pretty pretty Who accurate. Mean? That's agree a, to disagree. <laughs> McLovin is a hell. He's a very likable character, dude. Colt's got nobody here. You guys are like the king of research, and this is what we get. I kinda, I, the one I had down, it he would need some work, but uh, Owen Wilson. Wow. wow. Owen Wilson, huh? Yeah, blonde hair. His, his nose is yeah. a little messed up. He's going to need to bust his – he's going to need to play a little more hockey. You know, yeah. maybe get take a couple more checks. Oh, no, he's blonde-headed. You think he's that funny, Colt? You think he's funny enough to pull off I Owen actually Wilson? do think Adam's funny. Yeah, he is actually funny. He's he not is. showing it right now, but – No, he <laughs> – <laughs> I'm just trying to anticipate your second question. And, uh, all right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm the second question guy. Here you go. This is this is the easy one. Who do you hate more, the North Carolina Tar Heels or the Los Angeles Rams? Oh, the Tar Heels for sure. I've been told that you had a really tough time when the Rams packed up shop and moved to L.A. Not a big Stan Kroenke fan over here. Um, yeah, not not cool. That sucked. I was a big fan there. Greatest show on turf when I was a kid. Got super into it, um, and then they sucked for a while. A little less into it then, but then they just bailed, and it was just it sucked. Um, so yeah, that that that's bad. But the Tar Heel thing. I mean, when you're living there in Durham, and I mean, you just have to. You, you can't. You have to hate UNC. Although we did go over there on the weekends quite a bit. Full oh. disclosure. If All Roy right. Williams was at the golf course, would you introduce yourself to him? Mm. Yeah, a thousand percent. <laughs> say I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan. All the time. I'm a huge wouldn't fan. Say, wouldn't say I was a fan, but I, I would I would like to to meet him and have you know have a have a little word with him, ask him why they sucked so bad. He'd probably come up to you. Just yes. wait for that. I totally agree. Good point. All right. Favorite Duke basketball player of all time. Well, I'm gonna all time's tough. Jason Williams is probably probably mm. number one. When I was in school is what most people – I thought you were going to ask me. I knew it. 
You're wrong. But Kyle Kyle Singler was just awesome when I was when I was in school. You're younger than me, but just blue collar, awesome, kind of a all around the floor, could do it all, and just we made him, you know, rebound and shoot threes. And I mean, he got his ass beat under the boards and in the paint, but he he survived and uh, won us a national championship. He that was number one. Yeah, he's a lot like you, basketball version, blue-collar guy, gets it done, hard worker, you know, just knows the grindstone type of a fella. I like you, Drew. Yeah, I get it. I see the parallels. I see the parallels. All right, I'll ask the next question here. This is the last one. My last two, I think, will be real fun. All right, bigger deal in St. Louis, you or Nelly? Current day. Yeah, see, that's what I was going to say. In the day, Nelly. Are you kidding me? Nowadays? I don't know. I'm, I've been in like the 18th page of the Post-Dispatch like four times in the last year. I don't think Nelly can say that. Um, <laughs> have I, you ever yeah, met Nelly? Have not met Nelly. I feel like all the St. We, Louis guys just hang out under the arch and you guys just all meet each other and hang out and shit. Yeah, kind of not really. Kind of <laughs> not really, no. Um, you know, he was on the other side of the river for the most of the time, but uh, no, that'd be, that'd be cool to to meet him i mean i was a huge fan of some country grammar back in the day who wasn't maybe maybe yeah. wear the band-aid on the eye and draw him out and let him know let him know you're paying homage Not next time you play the that. masters put the band-aid under the eye yeah wear the bear the band-aid at the masters that would be yeah you think people one. would get it you think people would get it nope nope but nelly would if you heard about it yeah that's all that matters right we're going for, yeah 100 right, i'm gonna put that in my notes on my phone Yep. There Next you go. question. Mine's You're also welcome. a bigger deal in St. Louis question, but mine's Albert Pujols or Brett Hall. Mm. Brett Hall. I mean, especially with the Blues' success last year, and we went Blues, and God. I mean that guy Drunker just absolutely Hall. crushed it in the playoffs. Um, you know, Pujols was absolutely the 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 goat there for a long, long time, and uh, it sucked to see him leave. Um, yeah, I mean, Brett Hall has to be number one, except, you know, these kids these days, they, they, they don't really know him probably as well as we did. But, um, yeah, I'm going with Brett Hall. Tough call, though. Mm, I agree. Yep. A lot of legends. A lot of legends out of that place. All right, this next question, I've been, I've been looking forward to asking this. All right, here we go. Mm. I don't know how to phrase it, but you'll get the gist. What took you so long to be friends with me when we played at the Canadian Tour at the same time? Uh, Are you all friends? Uh, Barry the Hatchet, buddy. He was he was so cold. You wouldn't believe this guy, dude. So is, there's is this guy. There was this guy on the McKinsey Canada PGA Tour that was this loud, down in the range, wearing these you know these uh, flat bill like visor things and the hair and just talking and talking and hitting these like slices on the tee. I mean, <laughs> I didn't know who this guy was. Didn't didn't put out the best five. And then it kind of weeks would go by and I'd be like, why are all of my friends friends with this guy? They're playing practice rounds with him. They're staying with him. They're going to dinner with this guy who like, why? And I kind of met him maybe briefly one time or something. And I'm still just like, mm, not my cup of tea. And then who was our mutual friend? Was it Wes Holman? Maybe somebody set us up on a drive from. Yeah. Well, when you played good on somewhere in Ontario. When oh, you played good, time. the waterway or whatever. Waterway classic. Who can there forget? We had to drive like to the west side of Toronto in like London. It was, I don't know, a three hour at least drive. It took us like five because of that huge accident. I had to give this guy a, a, a ride because I'm the nice guy. 
And of course, there's a huge traffic accident, nasty thing. And we sat in the car for like four or five hours together. And I finally saw what everybody else saw in him. So I did come around and finally. And what is that? Yeah, what? What is that exactly? It's <laughs> a good question. I don't know. He asked a lot about me, which he's doing well now, as still to this day. Uh, he didn't, you know, he, he, he uh, I don't know. I, I think it was his, his charm. I don't know. He may have touched my leg. I don't know. It was a, it was a nice <laughs> oh, trip that, that I believe we're not supposed to talk about ever since. But, uh, you know, I don't know. We just, we just started hitting it off. That was a All special right. moment. Special moment. Very, very really, nice answer. Really turned a corner then. Absolutely. I love it. Number seven, um, your wife is a very successful nurse antithesis. Do my research. Huh. Okay. It's, that's pronounced very well. I know. I, yeah. Trust me. I do my research, bud. Yeah, I see that. Rumor has it she was kind of your sugar mama when you were on the Jicky Jacks growing up. You know, you know, she was the she was the breadwinner of the family. So be honest with me. Who picked up more dinner tabs before you got your PJ tour card? You or her? <laughs> Um, she did, she did do nice, but she was in school for a lot of it. So it wasn't until the very end there that she started raking in the dough. Um, no, I don't, it's pretty even. I, I'd still would like pay for the dinners and then I'd be like, can you help out with the mortgage kind of thing or the rent, you know, <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you help it out, help us out on the back end kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah, very, yeah, she's a nurse anesthetist and, uh, does, does quite nicely, but she's, uh, she works pretty part-time nowadays. It's once or twice a week, uh, you know, at the most, but uh, it's a good, good little setup for us. I heard, nurse, that, a nurse I heard what? You said that if you weren't a PGA tour player, you'd be a stay at home dad. Oh yeah. That'd be great. Probably what I'm best at. Um, that's, that's, I, I could probably do that. I don't know. I would, I would get a lot of babysitters like tomorrow. Like I've been home for six weeks or whatever. Emily's going to work from like one to seven and I had like scheduled to play this golf round tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So I got to get a babysitter. Um, of course, the one day I'm on daddy duty, but uh, so I'm taking a little bit of heat for that. But luckily, uh, Mallory Connors, Corey Connors, his wife right next door, big fan of little, little Trevor. So uh, we worked a little deal. So she's going to come over and babysit. Nice. No, not a big golf match. Okay. Just a prior commitment. So okay. if I stay at home, dad, you mean go away and golf dad and give the kid to someone else? Pretty much. My parents live yeah. live yeah. nearby. You know, I can I could probably bribe them into coming over for a bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would do if I didn't play golf. I'd be screwed. All right, you're doing a hell of a job. Don't even worry about that anymore. You're beyond that. All right, next question. Have you ever been mistaken for a fan while in the elevator at a PGA Tour event? Oh, gosh, yeah. That was bad. I felt bad for the guy, even. I mean, we're in the like the host hotel in, in New Jersey. Um, for the it was like the first playoff event and the northern trust and we're in the i mean there's players all all over the place courtesy cards out front i mean couldn't be more obvious this is like saturday of the tournament or friday probably and he get in the elevator and he's like oh, i got my bag i mean or no i just had i had all my golf clothes on i guess i didn't have my bag and he's just like uh uh, where are you headed? I was like, oh, Liberty National. He's like, oh, yeah, us too. He, could, he had his, like, ticket already ready, you know. He's ready to go. And he's like, do you think any of the, the any of the players are staying here? We're pretty close to the course. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I think there's at least one. There's at least one player here. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Um, that, was a, that was a play better moment for sure. Uh, yeah. There's lots of times, though, at, at restaurants and stuff, like, oh, did you just come from the tournament? Uh, yeah, I was – just finished up on 18 over there, but 
don't don't recognize me. That's all right. <laughs> I, I don't mind it that way. Hey, yeah, I wear my golf shoes to watch, like everybody else. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> all right, last question. That's awesome. All right. So the listeners love getting the inside scoop of the PGA Tour, like I said earlier. Okay. So we're going to just this put a little hypothetical hurt. situation here. Okay. This is going to hurt. Say a player is interested, is going to fire his caddy, and he maybe is interested in hiring a caddy that works for another player. So what's the protocol here? Does, does the player go to the other player and maybe ask permission or does he just go behind his back and try to hire the caddy away? How does that work? Here it is. <laughs> Here I, it I, is. You're breaking up. You're breaking up. We got a poor connection. It's been brewing for an hour. Thanks you for having you got me, away guys. With it. Enjoyed the show. Appreciate it. <laughs> Have a good night. Uh, yeah, that worked out well for me. I know that. Uh, Why don't you explain and, to them what yeah, you did, Adam? Tell them what happened. I don't know. It, I was in a whirlwind at that point, but um, yeah, I don't, I mean, my side of the story was I was asking a lot of players and caddies and coaches and who might be available to hire, who should I get? And everyone kept saying this Julian Trudeau chap. And I was like, all right, let's go with this Julian Trudeau chap. What's he doing? Oh, well, he's out in the Zurich caddying for Colt, but I don't know if that's a long-term thing. I don't know if Colt's on medical. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what their agreement is. So I asked Jules and said, I know you're caddying for Colt this week. Do you have any interest in some point down the road? I don't know. Next year. Who knows? And he said, oh, my God, thank you so much for saving me. I will work for free. I will work. I'll pay you to get out of this situation with this guy. I'm miserable. I hate this guy. It's awful. Um, and that's kind of how it worked for me. That's from my side. Caddy thief. Oh. Caddy thief. Uh, I, I, I knew it was coming up. I just didn't know at what point during the show. So I knew I, the last question coming in, I was like, here, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, I thought we'd ask that early on, but uh, you saved it for the last. And uh, yeah. I'm sweating a bit. You got we, build, <laughs> we build it up. We build I, it I, up. Text, I did text Joel uh, a Colt like a little later on. I was like, you know, I don't know what I said. Thank you. I don't know. Don't hate me. Don't talk bad about me on your radio show. Whatever I said, and you just said you're dead to me, and that's I how I knew. You started off with this is Adam Long, and then I said who? I said who? Question mark. Is how <laughs> I started it. <laughs> Probably true. Probably true there. Oh my God! And now look. I forgive you. I forgive and you. Now look. You so much that I forgive you. That, yeah, that's it. Well, that's because he's the nice guy. Everybody likes him. So, in fact, they're in turn, everybody kind of doesn't hate me as much. Perfect. It's well, great. Adam, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been a blast. Yeah, you guys are welcome. And uh, good luck with the show. Hopefully, you make it to next week. <laughs> it's TBD at this point. Uh, perfect. Thanks, dude. Thanks, bud. All right. And that was the caddy thief. Adam Long. I decided to wait till the very, very end to throw that in there, please. But that's one thing. Me, I didn't know Adam very, very, very well until the whole caddy thief thing took place. But I love giving him a hard time about it. He's basically the reason I'm doing the Golf Subpar podcast from the SiriusXM radio show. So I don't know whether to hate him or to thank him. It all worked out, dude. You don't got to worry about making cuts or doing any of that anymore. But I was just, I've been, I was sitting there through the whole interview, like, I wonder when it's coming. I wonder when he's going to bring up the caddy. <laughs> when he's gonna, and then the last question, I was like, this has to be it, or else I will do the blast every single bet. I know it's got to come up, but it's always a fun thing to talk about with him. Your boy Jules, your boy Jules popping off and going with A Long for a little while. Not a bad move. It's worked out very, very well for him. 
but he is Adam Long, great dude, very dry sense of humor, love cracking jokes with him. But I mean, what a run he's been on, you know, 13th at the U.S. Open, 35th, 31st in the FedEx Cup standings, only because Mackenzie Hughes made oh. a five foot slider to keep him out of East Lake. It was really cool to see his reaction. I mean, he wasn't upset about it. I mean, it's kind of hard when one of your really good friends knocks you out. Yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, you have the whole season. It's just, it seems like it comes down to that bubble every single time. It's one shot here, one shot there. But I actually was texting with a couple of uh, our buddies beforehand, like, yo, is it cool if I bring up the McKenzie Hughes up and down? Or is that still like a, a sore subject? Because I mean, that's still like, it's your buddy that does it to you and you're happy that he did well and all that. But like, that's still a bit, I mean, that's every single major for the next year. That's a, a ton of money, ton of bonuses from all your sponsors, everything like that. I mean, that is a massive deal to get in there so to watch a guy get up and down on the last hole make a five foot slider to do it tough one but uh i mean a long he's uh he's cool with talking about it but it was, it was fun to hear that story yeah and get you in the wgc's which is just free money no matter how you play all you're gonna them. walk out with probably you know a few hundred thousand dollars even if you don't play very well so tough one for him but i mean like i said um the future looks very very bright for adam long he's really turned into a great player and uh, I love catching up with the about the Duke stories. I mean, camping outside of Cameron Indoor, um, going to those games with the Cameron Crazies. Uh, what a cool experience that had to be. Yeah, I mean, you and I went to SMU, TCU, dude. I could walk into our arena five minutes before tip-off and probably walk down and ask the coach if I could start at point guard. You'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever you want to do. A little different world out there at Duke where I had no idea these dudes camp out for – two months space i mean yeah. could you imagine doing that i mean i don't care how much i love anything camping outside in the winter to do something for two months probably not gonna survive that i would like to know like how many people break the rules and their their tent gets thrown out oh you could sabotage the shit out of people i would yeah. feel like turn off their pro you gotta have something to keep you warm turn that out they're gonna have to go leave and get a new one whoop move their tent behind our tent all right we just moved up <laughs> there's cool. a lot of or be like Kevin Streelman and just and just bribe the bribe the security guy or the yeah, tickets the guy. That seems that's like an easier route. Oh, you want some golf balls in a bag? Cool. I'd like to sit on the third row for Carolina game. Yeah, but that was a lot of fun. And our next episode is going to be even a, a lot of fun as well. We got one of the most colorful characters, Steve Elkington, going to be joining us on Golf Subpar. And also, Sleaze, we're going to be bringing back our gambling segment, which I know a lot of you out there have been waiting for. Yep, that'll be fun to get back into that. We got we to gotta get the criteria lined up and uh, all that figured out exactly how we're going to do it. But we will be back with the gambling picks next week in another year of just competing head-to-head. -head. I still need to get that caddy round, by the way. I'm waiting on that. I'm, my game's nice right now, so you might want to hurry up before I start hitting it like shit and you got to work harder. Yeah, yeah, whatever. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. You're not going to want to miss next week with special guest Steve Elkington on Golf Subpar. Everybody have a great week.